Well, welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Tony Davis, coming to you from the beautiful beaches in Jacksonville, Florida. As always, thank you for listening and supporting the show. The statistics are blowing up. The show is growing by leaps and bounds, and it's all because of you and telling your friends to listen and, uh, and, and what the value of this podcast is doing for you. And I love the quote from Bo Beckler, as we all know, the legendary head football coach for the University of Michigan. Every day you get better or you get worse, but you never stay the same. And my hope for you listening today is that you're going to get a takeaway from today's leadership conversation that makes you better and helps you grow in your leadership. And we should all be striving to get better, either physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally, or socially, every single day. And that's the beginning of our self-leadership. And that's what it means to be a well-rounded leader. So if you want more information about the podcast, go to our website, wellroundedleaders.com. Today, we have a very special guest, Matthew Brownstein. He is the founder of the Anahat Education Group. He's also the founder of the Institute for Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. He's the author of several books and the host of the Illuminated Mind podcast. You're going to love this one. I didn't know a whole lot about this subject matter. Uh, but I learned a lot, and you're going to learn a lot, too. We're going to look at leadership a little bit differently. We're going to look at it through, you know, our state of mind, our natural state of mind. Hypnotherapy is, is a tool to, to making sure uh, that, that we're tapping into our subconscious and we're, we're ensuring our wellness. Um, and, and he just he does a great job articulating exactly of the benefits and the values of, uh, of what Uh, this type of mindset can bring to the table. So I know you're going to love this one. It's Matthew Brownstein. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. I have a uh, very distinguished guest on, Matthew Brownstein. He's the founder of the Anahat Education Group. He's also the founder of the Institute for Interpersonal Hypnotherapy, the author of several books. And Matthew, you even have a podcast, the Illuminated Mind Podcast. But welcome. Welcome to the Well-Rounded Leaders Podcast. And uh, just to kick things off, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got in, in, into the, uh, uh, this field that you're in. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I got into all of this back in 1992 when I had a spiritual awakening, if you want to call it that. Something significant happened to me where I was living like anybody else, average, normal person. But in an instant, for no reason, I understood everything became oneness, became light and love and bliss and joy. And I didn't believe in God or any of that type of thing. But when this happened, it really opened my mind that there must be something more than what I was brought up in. So I started studying philosophy and religion in college to try to figure out what had happened to me. You know, I was 19 years old at the time, and nobody actually knew about this experience. But in religious studies, eventually I found there were people who had had this experience, of course, and that it changes people in radical ways. The one thing that it really did for me was it made me deeply compassionate for the world's suffering. I saw that people who didn't know about this type of experience were generally miserable and were looking outside of themselves to try to feel better. So I spent a lot of time in ashrams, monasteries, spiritual communities, to tap back into that again and to learn how to share it with others. I went into Chinese medicine thinking this might be a way to get people to tap into it, but I realized 
massage, acupuncture, herbs, as wonderful as that is, wasn't opening people to what I had tapped into. When I found hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. I realized, oh, it's the mind. It's 100% the mind. So that led to 10 years of private practice in hypnotherapy, 15 years now of running one of the only state licensed schools in the country for hypnotherapy career training. And we're talking because a lot of my path has inadvertently led me into being a leader, which I didn't really expect. But my team now says, wow, you've created a movement. And all I tried to do was bring, or not try, I successfully, and bringing people into that state of being where I'm awakening them to who they truly are. Uh, but it does take being a leader because I have a vision and somebody with a vision ends up pulling people around them to make the vision happen. So that's the short of it. Mm -hmm. And I love this because, see, this is uh, this is something I'm not real familiar with. So I'm going to you know, learn as much as, as the listeners are. And we're going to tie this all into leadership. Um, but let's, you, you, you talked about people are, you know, kind of say to you, Hey, you're, you're, you've created this movement. What does it mean to create a movement that people follow? Since you, you brought that up, that's a good, that's an interesting uh, way to look at it. It wasn't intentional. I honestly just want to live in the woods meditating. Right? Um, mm -hmm. I had tapped into what everybody wants to feel, peace, love, joy, bliss. We go about it through all different ways. But I found, oh, that's all inside of me. So if I can just learn how to meditate well, I can tap into it. Um, but like I said, once you really tap into that and you see people suffering, say, oh, my God, if they just knew this one basic secret that everything we're looking for is inside of us. Um, so I just wanted to share that with others. And I in meditation, really, just kept realizing I have a vision, and I can go into the details of it, but I believe anybody with a vision mm -hmm. isn't alone in that vision. The idea that we're all kind of in it together, meant to do something together. Um, so I just started teaching. People started listening and enjoying what I was saying and then wanted to be a part of it. Uh, once I opened the school, I had my first class was 25 students, and a lot of them wanted to stay on to continue with the vision of growing a very high standard, high ethical, high integrity hypnotherapy school, because the standards in our field are rather low. So I guess the movement kind of started with me sharing a beautiful vision mm -hmm. and people wanting to be a part of that vision. Uh, it wasn't that I wanted to be a leader. Uh, actually, one of my mentors says I'm a reluctant leader because <laughs> I'd rather just be in the woods meditating, mm. but or, you know, living in a monastery meditating. But it's really selfish to keep such wonderful teachings to oneself. So, yeah, it really wasn't by choice. It was just that people were interested. And I feel kind of an obligation to get out there and to continue. Yeah, that's great. And, and part of what this whole podcast is was founded upon is this premise of self-leadership and with self-leadership leadership starts with yourself and and starting with yourself means to me being fully present being fully pre present being aware of of your wellness your overall wellness that hints the well-rounded leader and this ties perfectly into that because our wellness includes our mental our emotional our physical uh, our spiritual um our, our social wellness all of those factors come into play and they help us really shape the potential of our leadership. Um, and, and this is really, you know, per perfectly aligns with, with that type of mindset and, and philosophy on leadership. Um, so, so how being a well round, how does being a well-rounded leader relate to your life mastery course? Yeah. Um, 
So in my early 20s, meditating a lot and tapping into, really, I, I would say prioritizing my spirituality made me realize there's self-realization where you mm. get a sense of who you really are, not just what you're meant to do, but who you really, really are deep down inside, you know, like the universal truth of who we are. Um, there's self-realization, but then there's self-actualization. And so while I'm studying the great saints and sages who are self-realized, they're not necessarily self-actualized, meaning they have balance and success in all aspects of their life. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll find a saint who can meditate in the deepest levels of consciousness, but can't hold a job, can barely eat any food, doesn't pay taxes, right? Because, you know, we're not like grounded down to earth human beings. So I started saying, well, what are the different aspects of my being? Well, okay, there's the spiritual side for sure. There's a the mental, emotional self. There's the physical self, the body. There's my relationships. There's my career and finances, my free time and recreation. I realized in the self-actualization model, I want to be successful in all of those aspects, not in a role model for all of those aspects. So well-rounded would be having success in every aspect of our life. So yeah, my early 20s, I started studying with a lot of different mentors, pulling from different sources and designed our life mastery course mm -hmm. that we teach in our school. And the idea simply is in the hypnotherapy field, we often say to be a healed healer, right? Or physician heal thyself. So if we go through a process of personal growth and transformation, where we become the very best that we can be, then people are just naturally drawn to that and we want to give it away. So yeah, being a leader who's balanced and in harmony uh, is you know, really crucial. But at the same time, we talked a bit before about other leadership styles that are based on the spiritual traditions. Uh, and for me, that involves bringing in the deep values that we find in these traditions, like gratitude and humility. Mm -hmm. So I found with my team yesterday, I was not in the the best space yesterday during one of our meetings. And I apologized to my team. I said, you know, I apologize for not being in a harmonious space. So for me, leadership inspired by deep spiritual ideals means we're bringing in ethics and levels of integrity we might not get if we're only focused on business. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well-rounded involves every beneficial teaching out there, not necessarily just the prosperity teachings. You know, and that 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 style of leadership that you were talking about is is becoming so much more important these days with the inclusion with uh, Gen Zs with all of the different transitions and changes we've had in the workplace. Uh, leaders are having to become more empathetic. There are, you know, fifteen years ago, command and control. You know, it's all driven. It's task oriented. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Goals, goals, goals. But you can't be that way. You can't be that uh, that way and an effective leader without some of of, of the awareness of what you're talking about and in, in, in making sure, uh, you know, that you're listening, that you're supporting, that you're coaching, um, you're providing, you know, stability, safety and inclusion. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I can see that's exactly where you're going. You talked about different leadership styles um, I know there's, you know, different, like the yin leadership style, there's Omega. Talk a little bit about those leadership styles as it relates to, to kind of your, your uh, area of expertise. Yeah, I, again, I never planned on being a leader, so I just kind of was drawn to certain teachings that resonated with me. So after my religious philosophical studies at the university, I was like, well, what am I going to do with that for a career? So I went to Chinese Medical College, and it just happened that, you know, we study Taoist, uh, more of the Eastern philosophies, that our teacher introduced us to a book called The Tao of Leadership. 
and it was based on the Tao Te Ching, one of the Chinese scriptures. And um, you know, I was familiar with the Tao Te Ching, but when I saw it being applied to leadership, I was like, "Wow, this is brilliant!" But I'm not a leader, you know. I'm just going to be a Chinese medical physician. And yet, um, as I ended up in leadership positions, I went back and started reading the book, and it was the opposite of a lot of what we were hearing about these alpha leadership styles. It was about watching process. It was about letting go. It was about surrendering. It was about doing less. It was about like, truly honoring other people instead of putting myself or my own ego you know, in place. Uh, but because my background is in religion and philosophy, I came across other books I resonated with. One was Jesus CEO, which was wonderful to say, okay, from a management perspective, how did Jesus run his business right, or his ministry? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what did he do? He pulled 12 people around him. Like, well, that makes sense. You don't need to have 500 people around you. You need a core group of people. And I found other saints and sages throughout the years naturally ended up doing the same thing. There's a great saint named Meir Baba. And he had his, his circle of people around him, but it was a relatively small group. Another book I studied was Moses on Management. And there you saw, like, well, how did Moses? I mean, these are people, right? Moses and Jesus who mm -hmm. created huge movements. And even if we don't believe in their religious teachings, there is definitely something successful going on, right? Jesus um, was only 33 years old, supposedly. He only taught for about three years. We have very little information, but now we have 2 billion Christians from one person, right? So what was his leadership style? And it's not necessarily... Uh, what you find in traditional Western, especially male-oriented leadership styles. So this idea of an omega leader or somebody who honors yin principles, people say to me, like, my God, you become so successful. And I said, you know, I did it the exact opposite way that most people do. Right? I did it by surrendering and letting go and listening to my intuition more than just driven, determined uh, it was much more a surrendering, letting go, and kind of letting, if you imagine like a bobber floating in the ocean, instead of someone driving their boat, right? The alpha leader drives their boat. They know where they're going to go. Mm. Uh, somebody who's following more Taoist principles is going to just be like a bobber floating in the waves and just saying, I guess the ocean knows where it's going to take me. Or the idea of going down a boat to the river, um, down a river going to the ocean, all rivers lead to the ocean. And the idea is, well, what if I just took my paddles out of the water Right? I don't have to be aggressive and all young and you know, driven. What if I just kind of relax and go with the flow? It turns out the universe seems to know a lot better than me about where I'm going. And so surrendering to that flow mm. has been remarkable. But it's, a, it's pretty much the opposite of everything I learned growing up. So it's a complete retraining of the mind mm -hmm. to work with some of these principles. Yet for my role models and myself, I can say they absolutely work once we really harmonize with them. Yeah. And you talk about the letting go leadership style. And I think a lot of executives and leaders in business today need to understand that principle just for their own sanity and mental wellness, you know, more about delegating and trusting and empowering those that are, that are under your, uh, you know, your leadership. Um, talk about delegating and automating and, and then that the fire movement, if you will. Yeah, um, possibly two. Well, I would say two different themes, but definitely t connected. So the fire movement is financially independent, retire early. So I semi-retired at about 42 years old or so. I was only working about four hours per week. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you do that? Uh, so the idea of delegating and automating, I had read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which was very inspirational. Uh, but the idea is that intelligent people hire people more intelligent than they are. 
Yet back to the spiritual themes, it takes humility to be able to say that, to say there's probably somebody better at the different roles that I have than I could possibly be, right? So I'm a teacher, but I'm sure there's better teachers, right? So I onboarded, right now there's about 13 instructors in my school, and I like to say they're better teachers than me, right? And then I have the whole marketing team. I learned all about advertising and marketing, but I delegate that to three or four people who are far better. And it's not to say, you know, we're not intelligent, but it's intelligent to hire people who Mm -hmm. are really skillful at what they do. Once my company was really thriving, we were at the top of a skyscraper. I mean, I was at the top of my game. I feel like master of the universe kind of feeling, standing at, you know, literally at the top of a skyscraper, just this high self-esteem body language. I remember just standing there looking out and going like, wow, I I really, financially speaking, you know, career-wise, like I made it great. But then I said to one of my primary employees, I said, can you just do what I do, like the remaining things that I do? And she said, oh yeah, you know, sure. I gave her a big hug. I walked out of that building and I never went back. It was like, you know, I don't want to be cooped up in an office. Success is not wearing a suit, driving Mercedes, uh, being in a an office with no windows. So I just started paragliding all around the world and making friends in different countries and got a travel trailer and drove around the country and paragliding and camping and hanging out in hippie communities. I was like, now I'm living. So um, financial independent retire early. You know, with digital modern technology, uh, they're these digital nomads, you know, are living all over the world, you know, Costa Rica, and they're just sitting there with their laptop. Meanwhile, people are slaving away and thinking success is just, you know, get the money, get the business, get, and it's like, no, like living your, like a little bit of Oprah here, like living your best life or, you know, living a life worth living. uh, To me, that was real success. And it was the willingness to delegate, to automate. And in Tim Ferriss's book, he talks about if you're only going to work four hours per week, you need to know what to do with the rest of your time. And so when I started prioritizing, again, my spirituality, my free time, my relationships, life started getting really exciting (laughs) instead of, oh, okay, great. We're making a lot of money now. We're helping a lot of people. You know, awesome. Like, glad I'm helping people, but am I finding the fulfillment I wanted? And that really only happens by being willing to delegate and to let go. One of my dear friends who retired quite early with millions of dollars, he said the reason his business took off was when he really decided, I'm going to delegate and trust. And yeah, if you do that with a good team, success is really inevitable. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to your point of just aligning yourselves with you know, like Jesus did with his 12, 12 disciples. Hey, you got to have those, the, the, the right team around you in order for, for this to that, that fire movement, the financially independence, retire early movement uh, in order for that to happen. And that's probably why uh, most business owners, CEOs don't have that trust because they don't have those capable people because maybe they aren't comfortable with hiring people smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. Well, having a vision is really important. And I think a lot of people who are just money motivated mm-hmm. don't necessarily have a vision that people want to be part of. So my team, mm-hmm. honestly, everybody is underpaid, meaning um, the company only makes us so much money and I want to pay them more, but they're with me because they're so grateful to be part of something that's so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to be like a CEO and make a lot of money great, but what's the vision? What's the mission? What are the ethics? What are the values that drive that? And when a team sees, whoa, these are really high ethics. These are really good values. This is an incredible mission. They want to be part of it. And they're willing to work for not as much money as like my graduates can 
make really good money in private hypnotherapy practice. So to work for me for the company to work for the company means they're not going to get what they could get in private practice. But they know if I'm part of this vision, life is so much more meaningful. And people want that. They want meaning. They want to feel that the CEO is grateful for their service to the company. Um, but yeah, it's all about the intention of what's motivating the leadership. If it's based on a really altruistic mission that's meant to benefit others, uh, it's not that hard to get good people to want to follow that. So would you say not having that vision, is that what is that what's holding a lot of leaders back from success and actually taking a more successful leadership position in life in general? I think so. And while I try not to be overly you know, spiritual or religious, because I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, uh, in deep spirituality, we talk about the question, who am I? And then one other thing is, what am I meant to do on the planet? And a lot of us assume that we know that. Like if I say, who are you? You'll tell me your name or you'll tell me, okay, I'm a CEO or I'm a father or whatever. But those titles can come and go, right? You might not be a CEO tomorrow. What happens when you retire? What happens if you lose your child? And you know, you're not a father anymore. Mm -hmm. So like, who are you really? If we are willing to admit, like if you study, like say in the yogic or the Buddhist traditions, they talk about this word avidya. A video can be translated as not knowing or ignorance. And really, we say you're suffering if you don't know who you are. So I like to just start when I'm mentoring somebody and you know, I have a private client. I will just ask, who are you? And then we play this little game where I'm like, no, that's not who you are. And who are you? That's not who you are. Make it a homework assignment. Find out who you truly are and don't assume that you know. But then the other question is, what are you meant to do in this planet? The great poet Rumi, he talks about a king who sends another man to a country to perform one certain task. But what if the man goes to the other country, forgets who he is, that he's a servant to the king, and that he doesn't know what his task is, and he performs a lot of other tasks. But then eventually he does come back to the king, and the king says, so did you do your task? And the man said, no, no, but I did lots of other great things for you. I built hospitals and monasteries and you know churches, and I did it all in your name, great king. And he said, the king said, but did you do what I asked you to do? Well, no, no. Well, then your entire mission was in vain, right? So I believe there's a lot of people who are driven for success, right? And we want to thrive financially and whatnot. But if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're meant to do, then you might be on what we call a useless journey, mm. right? And that tends to lead to continual failure. So in the spiritual traditions, we talk about something called dharma or purpose in life, mm. right? And the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu Bible, it says it's better one of the Hindu scriptures, it says, it's better for you to do your dharma poorly than to do someone else's dharma well. So like my dharma, my path, my purpose is a teacher. And I would even humbly say healer, right? I definitely help people to transform in powerful ways. I'm an author. Like I figured out who I am and what I'm meant to do. And I can say anytime I try to make money in other ways, like commodity trading, multi-level marketing, real estate, because like I want to make more money and maybe this path of hypnotherapy and teaching isn't the way to do it. Mm -hmm. But every time I did anything, this is my early 20s, I don't make those mistakes anymore. But every time I would do that, it wouldn't work. I wasn't passionate about it. Um, it just, it didn't flow. It wasn't in harmony with the Tao or like the way of the universe. Mm -hmm. So when I aligned to who I truly am and what I meant to do, the success naturally follows. And uh, usually when I'm on podcasts and they say, what are your closing words? My closing words are always stay on the path, right? And I talk about Dharma, like know who you are and know what you're meant to do. Uh, and we have to be humble enough to admit 
I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I think about it. We drop down on this planet or however you got here, you know, you pop out of somebody's womb. Mm-hmm. You don't know really where you came from. You don't know where you're going. You really don't know where you are. You don't know who you are. We live under the assumption that we know this. In Zen practice, we encourage don't know mind, beginner's mind. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm meant to do. By being that empty of conceptions, we get to open up to much deeper ideas. So in Zen, they say in the beginner's mind, there's many possibilities. In the expert mind, there's few possibilities, mm-hmm. right? So be humble enough to not know lets us really tap into true knowledge. So you might say in this model, knowing is not knowing, which is again, counterintuitive, but those are the principles that I followed throughout my life, like the exact opposite of what I was taught growing up. Mm. So for those people out there struggling to understand what their purpose is or, or who they are, what would you say to them? How do they figure this out? It's actually remarkably simple, yet nobody likes to do it. Sit still and do nothing. <laughs> We're all so busy, right? You wake mm-hmm. up, you just start going. A meditator pretty much learns the first thing you do in the morning is sit still and empty your tank, right? Empty your cup. Uh, get your heart and your mind clear. So I, as a long-term meditator, I recommend at least five minutes, sit still in the morning, just sit still and breathe. So really, to me, having taught meditation for so many years, it comes down to four major things. Number one, sit still. Number two, watch your breath. Three, sit with a straight spine. And four, just do that morning and evening, like brushing your teeth, right? You don't try brushing your teeth once and then say, oh, it didn't work, right? Or I'm not good at brushing my teeth, so I don't do it. Or I can't stop my mind, so I don't meditate. So when we learn to meditate and get really clear, like one of my most influential spiritual teachers ended up having a billion dollar company. And really all that started from just sitting in the woods and meditating. Uh, when I lived at one of the monasteries I was at, they had acquired the monastery, but didn't have the money to pay the mortgage or anything. But the abbot said, just meditate, just sit and meditate. Because that's what, you know, it's all about at a Zen monastery. And then the monks start having ideas like, well, we have these skill sets. There's these opportunities. When you're empty, when your mind is clear, all the ideas come to you, all the inspiration comes to you. So as a hypnotherapist, I'm very aware of that your conscious mind is only about 10% of who you are. The 90%, the mass of the iceberg that's moving you, you could say is your subconscious mind and even your super conscious mind. When we don't get our conscious mind quiet, we don't tap into the rest of our being. And most of us know our emotions are what motivate us. Your subconscious mind is your emotional mind. But if we're not in touch with that, we usually find it's filled with hurt and sadness and fear and guilt and anger and regret. That stuff really clouds us. So to know who you are, uh, like, you know, in the Bible, to quote the Psalms, uh, be still, just be still. (laughs) So really, it's not that hard to figure out who you are. But if you're always busy running around outside of yourself, like they talk about the musk deer who's running around the woods trying to find the musk not realizing it was inside all along. And that's like the biggest cliche in spiritual teachings is you are what you're looking for. But yeah, if we don't stop and be still, then we don't find ourselves. And I'm sure um, that that is, is, it sounds real easy to do, but in the beginning, it's probably not going to be as easy to do as, as it, it may seem because the mind races, but I can see over time as if you get used to just stopping clearing your mind, reflecting, thinking, uh, you know, you allow yourself 
to, for lack of a better word, decompress, you know, your sleeping patterns could be better. Um, your, your quality of love life could improve. Um, your, just your focus in general. Uh, so, my, I, you know, in, aside from just f- figuring out who you are and your purpose, it probably has a lot of other tangent benefits that, that can be realized, would you say? Oh, absolutely. It's becoming like when I got into this, it was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Meditation was kind of woo-woo. Uh, then, you know, I was into yoga and meditation. Now yoga is not woo-woo. Uh, but I got into all of this for a, truly for a quest for spiritual enlightenment because of what happened to me when I was 19. I said, I want to experience that again. I, I got a glimpse and now I want the I want to know what Buddha experienced under the, that bow tree. Like I want to know what the great saints and sages experienced. So the motivation for these practices usually is something really deep. However, you find benefits that come out of that. And that's what people are tapping into now. Like, oh, I'll do yoga because I'll get stronger. I'll get more flexible. I'll reduce my stress. I'll have better balance. Uh, I'll meet people. Great. But that's not why we designed those techniques thousands of years ago. Mm. Right? In meditation, I'll reduce stress. I'll sleep better. I won't be as anxious. I'll be more present to my children. Awesome. Um, so the idea, though, is to focus on the highest. Right? So if we say, all right, I'm going to meditate just to reduce stress. Well, now your your whole life is about reducing stress but if your movement is towards the light and whatever you know you call that that a physician heal thyself or you know seek the highest uh, these ideas of go towards the top of the mountain so instead of just trying to relieve symptoms or improve certain aspects have a worthwhile goal so imagine if you're drowning in an ocean and you don't know what to do but you say well it'd be a bit more comfortable to go left but where's the shore Right. So if you see a lighthouse on the shore, mm-hmm. you go towards a lighthouse. So meditation, yoga, tai chi, all of these practices were really designed to bring us to very high spiritual states. And I know not a lot of people are into that, but I'm hoping my words, you know, just plant some seeds to say, if you seek something much higher than just stress reduction or a better night's sleep, mm-hmm. you'll get all the benefits of the practices. Um, but yeah, it won't just be about doing meditation just so you can sleep better. That's just going to come about naturally because you found inner peace, right? So if we're not into things like light and God and love, you know, if that's too woo-woo, what about just inner peace? Make inner peace the goal, and then you're naturally going to sleep better. You're naturally going to have lower stress levels and all of that. But yeah, prioritize peace, prioritize love, prioritize joy, and use these practices to tap into that all of the other benefits, which include deep mystical psychic powers, you know, all these abilities they talk about in the scriptures. My experience is they're real, but we don't do meditation to strive for these certain powers. They just end up coming about naturally, like to become incredibly intuitive happens when you meditate, but don't meditate to become intuitive, right? Mm -hmm. Meditate to find inner peace and your intuition naturally follows. Good stuff. Uh, Yeah, I like that. That's some great advice uh, for those out there. Um, and I, I know there's going to be at least a handful of listeners that are going to take that advice and run with it and try that out and, and see what kind of clarity that that brings to them. And, uh, and again, prioritize peace and love and joy or, or that great words right there. Let's back it way up. And for those listeners that, that really have no clue, what is hypnotherapy? 
Yeah, I have no clue either. <laughs> uh, I am a leader in the field, yet in that beginner's mind model that we talked about, yeah. it's best to actually say, I don't know. So we're actually tonight, uh, it's uh, the 25th, we're starting a new hypnotherapy training, another class starts tonight. And I will say to that group, okay, what is hypnotherapy? What is hypnosis? And I'm going to say, I don't want you to know. Just keep that beginner's open mind. However, mm, like that. if I were to give you a definition, we would say it's a natural state of mind. Use hypnosis. We're not doing it through a drug-induced state. Anybody could access this brainwave state. So we say natural and altered, which means we can get you there without drugs. And it's altered, meaning it's just different than your regular waking consciousness. However, uh, what happens when you're in a hypnotic state is we have access to your subconscious mind and more receptivity from it. So we'd say simply stated, this is not the most professional definition, but we would say you're relaxed, receptive and responsive, right? So a natural yet altered state where you're relaxed, receptive and responsive to suggestions that are really for your greatest good. So a lot of hypnosis involves offering suggestions. So basic hypnotic programming is putting you into a more receptive state of mind, totally safe, conscious, empowered, right? You're not unconscious. You're not out of control. You're not gullible or weak-minded. All those myths, you know, we dispel right away in the fundamentals teachings uh, and basically just say, this is a state of mind that is your own natural state that empowers you to tap into your own subconscious power, mm -hmm. the, the animal that directs your energy, that which governs your behaviors, the seat of your emotions, the seat of your imagination, the seat of your creativity. Remember, your conscious mind is only like 10% of who you are. The mass of the iceberg is that subconscious mind. Mm. So hypnotherapy can talk directly to the subconscious, unlike old school Freudian analysis, where we would analyze the subconscious and hope after five years, you get some sense of why you're neurotic. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in hypnotherapy, we not only can talk to the subconscious, but we can talk with it. So I could actually tap into what we would call like the inner child. Like everybody has a little boy or girl inside, even if we don't want to admit that, right? We're all emotional people deep down inside. And when you tap into that emotional part, you are so much more empowered to transform it. So hypnotherapy uses powerful mm -hmm. transformational modalities to help to transform subconscious content. It's not a replacement for psychotherapy or psychoanalysis or whatnot. It is its own profession. So a psychologist might use it and might use it therapeutically. Yet in our model, my dear mentor, Mr. Gil Boyne, he called it a therapy for the people. So I don't even like the word therapy there because really anybody can help anybody with these skill sets. Some people do it professionally, but anybody could help anybody with hypnosis. Um, so yeah, that's the overview, but it's been the most empowering thing that I've ever found. So is that kind of what they're doing with forensic hypnosis? They're going past the conscious mind with the people, what the witnesses can remember on the, on the, within their conscious mind and then they're tapping into, okay, what's back there in that subconscious mind that you don't even know you remember, but, but, but it's back there. Is that kind of the same, same type approach just in it, obviously in a different uh, variation? Yeah. When you're in hypnosis, you have expanded awareness. Like we might say sleep, but the truth is we're not putting you to sleep. We're actually helping to wake you up, right? People come in kind of half conscious and I help to wake them up to who they truly are. Uh, so as you get past your critical conscious limited mind, mm -hmm. you open to your subconscious mind, which is the seat of many things, like I mentioned, memory, imagination, uh, creativity, but memory, right? The seat of your memory is your subconscious mind. Like right now, as you and I are talking, mm -hmm. you're barely aware of anything from your past, right? If you're right here with me, 
But where is all that data stored, right? Your subconscious hard drive has trillions of bits of information in it. But how many bits of information are you aware of right now? Plus or minus five or so, right? We're not aware of much consciously. So when you're in hypnosis, it's definitely proven that you have enhanced memory recall. So yes, forensic hypnosis can be used if somebody couldn't remember a license plate or the details of someone's face. You put them into hypnosis, you get incredible abilities for recall. Now, most of us are not using memory recall in the forensic sense, right? That's specialized cases, but any of us can use it to improve our memories mm -hmm. uh, or just to get our minds aligned for our greatest good, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say it's much more, of course, than just memory recall, but think about it. We try to, using the word try intentionally there, we try to succeed like I want to stop smoking, I want to lose weight, I want to make more money, I'm trying, but it's not working. It's because the subconscious mind is not responding to the conscious mind's most positive intentions. Mm. So if you want to get your whole being aligned with your highest, most positive intentions, you've got to get that subconscious on board too. So therein lies the the need and the, uh, the uh, well, the need for hypnotherapy then, correct? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I would yeah. say the world does need it. I, I I was talking to some Zen monks recently, and they were talking about like this group of people over 50 years old, men who were successful, but were saying, my God, after all our years of career and service to the world, it seems to be worse than it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the world does need hypnotherapy. And that's yeah. why my students, my graduates, my staff see that we're on a mission. It's a mission to transform the world uh, with a modality that you doesn't require eight years of graduate school, right? Within a year, I can crank out hypnotherapists that are transforming the world, their minds in non-therapeutic ways without diagnosis, without medication. So yeah, thank you for mentioning the idea of need. The world does need this mm -hmm. big time. Matthew, this has been great. I've learned a lot. Uh, this has been in inspiring. Um, I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. I appreciate you coming on. If you, in closing, if you have anything to, you know, kind of some closing advice um, for, for listeners, you've given us tons of, of advice, uh, but, but just kind of, if you want to wrap it all up, go ahead. I'll give you kind of the final word here. Sure. My closing words are, always, as I mentioned before, the idea of stay in the path, right? So find out who you are, find out what you're meant to do, and only do that. Yet, it's like you said before, it's easier said than done. Mm. So I have two major source resources. One is the website instituteofhypnotherapy.com. That's where our hypnotherapy training is, but I run what's called the Illuminated Mind Podcast. That's all free. There are literally hundreds of hours of free classes available on my website. Um, so tons of free resources in the hypnotherapy field. And then for meditation, one of my other websites is called onlinemonastery.com because I am a monk at heart. So I run this onlinemonastery.com. It's over 100 hours of free teachings on meditation. So yeah, literally hundreds of hours of free material for people to tap into at instituteofhypnotherapy.com or onlinemonastery.com. Very cool. And I will put all of that information in the podcast notes so people can access that as, as they see uh, the need to. Uh, but again, Matthew, thanks so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed the conversation and hopefully, you know, Hey, we, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do it again. Maybe there'll be a sequel. Maybe we'll tap into some more of this because I know we've just kind of scratched the surface. Sounds good. I love talking about what I do. So thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. You got it. Wow. 
As always, thank you for listening and for telling your friends to check out the show and for rating the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. Your continued support makes it possible for me to do what I love, which is helping people be the best and become well-rounded leaders in their world. And for that, I am grateful. And until next time, be a well-rounded leader and make an impact.